0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message.
1: All right, well good morning, Valley Church. I'm glad to be here with you this morning and especially glad for this part in our service where we get to open God's word together. And um, to start it off this morning, would you join me in prayer? I'm going to pray over us the words from Ephesians 3 verses 14 through 21. and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, a few weeks ago, Pastor Jonathan was laying out his sermon series for the summer months, and he had an off Sunday, today, in between series, and he asked if I would preach on the topic of prayer Now, prayer has always been a part of my life, but in the past few years, God has um, really made prayer meaningful in my life, and I've become very passionate about prayer. I think that The secret weapon that every believer has that is often forgotten or glossed over is this secret weapon of prayer. Because when we think about the armor of God in Ephesians 6, we're reminded to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We have our sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But the very last weapon that Paul talks about doesn't have a physical piece of armor that he connects it to, but Paul talks about being persistent in prayer. Prayer is a secret weapon that every believer, follower of Jesus has to fight against enemy forces, to fight against spiritual warfare. And this morning, I want to look at a character in the Bible that I would say is known as one of the greatest prayer warriors who ever lived. He was a man named Daniel. And probably for a bunch of you, you're like, oh, yep, Daniel. Heard of him. Remember him. Daniel chapter 6 is where we're going to be going this morning. So I invite you to turn to Daniel chapter 6 in your Bible or using your, your app on your phone. But turn with me there, and before you kind of maybe tune out Daniel chapter 6, because I'll just tell you, it's Daniel and the lion's den, okay? And many of us have heard this story since we were little kids. But there is always something new that God can speak to you through his word, even through stories in scripture that you've heard over and over, maybe hundreds of times in your life. So if this is a very familiar story, I encourage you to ask God to reveal something new to you this morning about himself. What is something new that he wants you to know about this very familiar story of Daniel and the lion's den? Now, as we jump into Daniel chapter 6, there's a few things that you should know about this man, Daniel. In his early years... Daniel was a Jewish youth or Jewish teenager who lived in Jerusalem when it was besieged by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. So King Nebuchadnezzar came, besieged, attacked Jerusalem, and he took captive a bunch of Jewish teenagers of Daniel was one of them. And he brought them back to babylon this foreign land and he was going to indoctrinate them with his false religion teach them to worship these false gods but the most important thing you should know about daniel is that he was raised to know and serve yahweh the true and living god And it is very obvious that the beginning of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1, that Daniel's parents did a good job of raising their child to know and serve God. Because Daniel had predetermined before he even was taken captive into this foreign land of Babylon that he was not going to do anything that would go against what God said in his word and because of this god honored daniel in a foreign land and made him to prosper now daniel chapter 3 is where you find his friends shadrach meshach and abednego three other jewish teenagers who were thrown into a fiery furnace for refusing to bow down to the golden image of king nebuchadnezzar and then you jump forward a few more chapters and we find ourselves at daniel chapter 6 Daniel's being thrown into the lion's den, but do you remember what took Daniel to the lion's den? It's actually his prayer life that took him to the lion's den. Pick it up with me. In Daniel chapter 6, 1 through 5, it reads, It pleased Darius, that was the current king at the time, Then the high officials in the satrap sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any faults because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. We're going to pause here for a few minutes and reflect on these first few verses. At this point in Daniel's life, he's 70 years old. Okay, 70 years old. And King Darius is planning to set him over his entire kingdom. Now, a few of these verses tell us a little bit more about Daniel. In verse 3, it says, An excellent spirit was in him and then verse 4 says that these men who were jealous of Daniel they were actually his co-workers couldn't find any fault in him because he was faithful could people say the same thing about you in your workplace that you have an excellent spirit in you that you were faithful not only in your work but to your god what's amazing about daniel's life is that most of it was actually lived in the political world in the public eye and yet daniel's record was flawless now you don't find that today in our political world very often okay daniel was the man of integrity who is faithful to God, not just in his public life, but also in his private life. Now, his fellow co-workers knew that they would not find any error or fault in Daniel unless they created it themselves in regard to the law of his God. They knew that Daniel couldn't be trapped into evil Because they knew Daniel would be faithful to God no matter what. Remember, Daniel had predetermined no matter what happens in this foreign land, I will stay faithful to my God. Continue on with me in verses uh, 6 through 10. It says, Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever! All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem, He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now I titled my message this morning, Your Secret Weapon. Your Secret Weapon. Every believer has this weapon of prayer that they can use to fight against the enemy and we're going to look at four principles of using your secret weapon. If you got a bulletin this morning, this is where you can pull it out and take some notes. The first principle is that prayer prepares you for persecution. First in this passage, notice that these coworkers of Daniel, these men falsely accusing him, they speak a flat-out lie to King Darius in verse seven, because they stated that all the officials were agreed and had come together. That was not true. Daniel was one of them. No one consulted Daniel or asked his opinion. Also notice that it was an established principle in the Medio persian empire that when a king formally signed and instituted a decree, it was so binding that not even the king himself could change it. These men decide to appeal to the pride of King Darius to push their agenda through. You know, it can feel good when people notice you and want to elevate you or lift you up before others. But can I remind you, that is dangerous territory. These men knew that if they buttered up King Darius, made himself feel really good about himself, made him want to be like God to his kingdom, that he would fall for it. The world, and dare I say, even the church, is always looking for someone that they can elevate or lift up because it feels good to our human flesh to be lifted up and elevated. But brothers and sisters, remember the only person that we should ever be lifting up, exalting, is Jesus Christ himself. Amen? amen let's remember that James 4 6 reminds us God opposes the proud in some translations it says God hates the proud but he gives grace to the humble even though Daniel had a high political position of power you can see that he humbled himself At least three times a day and sought God's heart in prayer now one of the greatest ways Daniel lived out the meaning of his name was when it actually came to his prayer life names often carry deep meaning in scripture and it's true for the name of Daniel the name Daniel means God is my judge that means that what God thinks and what God does matters more than what anybody else thinks or does and it made me think that that should be our desire as valley church as well that what god thinks of valley church and what god does at valley church matters more than what anybody else thinks or does if we believe that what god thinks matters most then we should consult him most and if what god does matters most then we ask him to act first in other words we as valley church should live our lives devoted to prayer and what i love is that one of our value statements here at church is that we are reliant on prayer because we believe that prayer is the greater work. Therefore, everything we do must be covered in prayer. Daniel's life of prayer was so well known that his enemies knew it was one area of his life that they could attack and he wouldn't budge however they failed to realize how powerful this weapon of prayer was now when Daniel heard the decree that had just been made I want you to notice what he didn't do he didn't retaliate he didn't vent or gossip to other people about the new law that was just made Instead, Daniel went home to his upper chamber. That was a private room where he prayed. He opened his windows toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and gave thanks to God, just as he had done previously. Now let's... Put ourselves in Daniel's shoes for a moment. Sometimes I like to imagine okay, what would I have done if I was Daniel in that moment? Okay? So let's say that we just received news that we in the United States of America could not pray to anybody else for the next 30 days except our president. How would we respond? Okay, it, it can sound funny, but honestly, you guys, there could be a time that that comes. And I'm afraid the temptation for some of us could be, you know what? I'm just going to postpone my prayer life for the next 30 days. I think God would be okay with that. Let's just wait till next month, and then we'll get together and pray together. Do you realize that the only one who can stop you from activating your weapon of prayer is yourself the only one that can stop you from having a life devoted to prayer is you nobody else can stop you how many of us are guilty of just Praying before we eat a meal, like before breakfast, lunch, dinner, before we go to, bre- to bed at night, or even maybe guilty of just praying what many of us call shotgun prayers up to heaven. We hear a request, shoot it up to heaven. That's not bad. That's good. You should be praying about all those things. But we never make time to devote to prayer every day in our lives like time that we set aside to get alone with God and seek his heart, our lack of prayer actually is declaring that we don't need God, which actually then results in an attitude of pride. We think that we can live on this earth and handle all the problems on our own. We can't. We must learn to become men and women who are devoted to prayer. Why? Because persistent prayer will train us for when persecution comes. Persistent prayer will train us for when persecution comes. You know, we've had it really good here in America right? We have so much freedom. Did you know the month of June is actually set aside every year to remember the persecuted church? Because you have brothers and sisters around the world that are facing what Daniel did right now, some of them dying at this moment for their faith. But persistent prayer will train you for when that persecution comes, and I, I think it's coming. I think it is. I believe it is. But notice that this news did not shake Daniel one bit. Daniel went home and continued doing what he'd always been doing. When he heard that this decree had been made, he didn't panic. (gasps) Oh, God, quick, go home. Pray. Please help me. What do I do? No. It says Daniel went home and did what he'd always, always been doing. He'd always been persistent in prayer. Daniel may have even been praying for his enemies who were his co-workers. Do you remember what Jesus taught us in Matthew 5, 44? He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray. Pray. Now, for those who think Daniel was trying to show off or pray publicly, it's clear from these verses that he was just doing what he'd always been doing. He always prayed in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. And I thought, okay, why did Daniel pray with windows open towards Jerusalem? Is there something significant about that? And there actually is. It takes you all the way back to 1 Kings chapter 8. Um, When King Solomon was the current king over Israel, he had just finished building the temple for God in Jerusalem, and he's praying this prayer of dedication. And in the middle of this prayer, Solomon prays in verse 30, 1 Kings 8 verse 30, he prays, listen to the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. And listen in heaven, your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. And then if you jump forward a few verses, verses 48 and 49, Solomon continued to pray, if they repent with all their heart and with all their soul and the land of their enemies who carried them captive, that was Daniel. He was carried away captive to a foreign land. It says, and if they pray to you toward their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen, and the house that I have built for your name, then hear in heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their plea, and maintain their cause. You see, what was happening in these verses here is that Solomon was prophesying in his prayer of what was to come for Israel. And years later, you find Daniel doing exactly what King Solomon had prayed for. Daniel specifically prayed toward Jerusalem three times a day. So as we're learning, we're learning these principles of prayer, the first one was that prayer prepares you for persecution. Did the same for Daniel. Daniel. The second one is that prayer is a posture for pe- petition. Prayer is a posture for petition. I want you to notice Daniel's posture for prayer. Daniel prayed on his knees. And this is actually also how you find King Solomon praying in 1 Kings 8 chapter or verse 54 the very end of that prayer it says as Solomon finished offering all this prayer and plea to the Lord he arose from before the altar of the Lord where he had knelt with hands outstretched toward heaven this physical posture of kneeling is becoming soon forgotten because kneeling forces you to stop what you are doing to pause, to physically get on your knees before God and seek his face. Kneeling is a good posture because it physically puts your body in a position of humility before the Lord. A few weeks ago, uh, you've heard a few of us talk about going on staff retreat down to Tennessee and on our way home, there was four of us in the car, and we missed church that Sunday, so we were watching it online on the way home. And Pastor, er, Pastor Cheryl, sure call you Pastor Brother Danny, did the message that Sunday, and we noticed immediately when Danny opened his message, and he closed his message on your knees in prayer. That made a big impression to all four of us in the car. Thank you for reminding us of the importance of that. As a little girl on Sunday mornings, I remember putting away laundry multiple times and running into my parents' bedroom and tripping over feet on the floor. Those feet were my dad's feet because every Sunday morning, my dad would kneel beside his bed and spend hours in prayer seeking the Lord's heart. That made a big impression on me as a child. Church, this physical posture of kneeling, it's a good posture to put yourself in before the Lord. When you kneel, you recognize who God is in heaven and all of his holiness, and you recognize who you are on earth. Kneeling is good. Now there's another position for prayer that we see Solomon doing in 1 Kings 8.54. It says he prayed with his hands lifted to heaven. This reminds me of a child when they want their dad or mom to carry them. They lift up their hands believing that their parents will see them. They'll hear them. Do you know who also prayed with lifted hands? Jesus did. In Luke 24, 50, it says, And he, that was Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. Now, this is a practice more recently in the past year that I've been trying to do as I pray, praying with lifted hands or simply praying with open hands is a sign of complete surrender because as jesus follower i recognize my life is not my own it belongs to my savior jesus and that includes everything in my life and when i pray with hands open it reminds me god i trust you with everything I believe that the posture of prayer expressing faith is lifted hands. Now there's one last posture I want to tell you about. That is the posture of physically getting prostrate on the floor before the Lord, praying with your whole body down on the ground, your face to the floor. There were many characters in scripture who prayed this way Abraham, Ezekiel, Moses, and Aaron. And this position of praying prostrate is one of adoration. You recognize who God is and all He's done, but this position is also one of complete submission to the Lord and to His will. And I found myself in the last few months. Praying, prostrate on the floor, as God has reminded me, precious. You submit to my will for your life. Your life now belongs to me, and I will work everything in your life—the the good and the evil—to bring me the most glory. Church, let's not shy away from physically practicing these postures of prayer. Now, if you look with me at the end of verse 10, it says that Daniel gave thanks before his God. When he came back to his room, knelt down to pray, it doesn't say he automatically started giving his request to God. No, it says that he gave thanks to God. Great prayer is filled with great thanksgiving. Now, Daniel did break the king's law he did break the king's law but he did not go against the king or against the king's best interest Daniel is actually an example of obedient disobedience obedient disobedience Daniel would obey God before he obeyed any man And at the sound of this news, Daniel didn't need to stress. He didn't need to be anxious. He didn't need to worry because he knew that this battle needed to be fought on his knees because he knew that God was going to fight the battle for him. He just needed to be faithful in prayer. Pick it up with me. And verse 11, we're going to read most, almost all the way to the end of the chapter. Verse 11 says, Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, "Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed.'" Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. And the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions." So the first principle we learned is that prayer prepares you for persecution. Number two, prayer is a posture for petition. And number three, prayer produces peace. Was Daniel worried? I don't believe so. Daniel knew that his God was faithful. And even if he did die in the lion's den, it was worth it to die for being obedient to his God. The power for Daniel to stand came from a settled understanding of God's sovereignty because Daniel knew that God was totally in control of this whole situation. Now, that night, you find King Darius. King Darius liked Daniel. Can you tell that? He did. He wanted to protect him. That night, he didn't sleep at all. But it could actually seem that Daniel probably rested better than King Darius did that night. Early the next morning, you see the king coming in haste, probably running to the lion's den to check on Daniel. And in his calling out to Daniel, King Darius declared that Daniel's God is the living God. Now, many have wondered, who is the angel in the lion's den with Daniel? Who is the angel? No one knows for certain. There are many scholars, commentators that go back and forth. It could have just been an angel from God sent one of the ministering spirits to be with Daniel that night, or it actually could have been a pre-incarnate Christ with Daniel in the den. When you look back at Daniel chapter 3, when his three friends are in the fiery furnace, there's a fourth in the furnace with them that they say is an angel, but many scholars believe that that fourth person was a pre-incarnate Christ, and it could have been the same in Daniel chapter 6. We don't know for certain if it was an angel or if it was Jesus, but what we do know is that Daniel experienced total peace that night. And what we also know about Jesus is that a name that is given to him is Prince of Peace. Daniel experienced peace. There was never an indication that Daniel was worried. And it reminds me of what Isaiah 26.3 says, says you, meaning God, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's exactly what Daniel 6 verse 23 stated. When Daniel was taken up out of the den, it says no harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. This whole account in Daniel chapter 6 Was an act of spiritual warfare against daniel and daniel knew that the only weapon he had to fight against spiritual warfare was his weapon of prayer because the weapon of prayer is something that the enemy does not have the enemy cannot stop it and the enemy cannot thwart it in the end we see that God caused Daniel's enemies to be defeated in the exact same way they tried to defeat him. Now, the decree that King Darius sent out to all the nations in the earth actually helps us to diagnose King Darius' spiritual condition because it isn't enough to say the God of Daniel. A saving faith would say the God of Darius, a saving faith would receive it for yourself. One of the greatest blessings to come from Daniel chapter 6 is to see the story unfold and point to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I just love how the Old Testament and the New Testament always work together. Because this story in Daniel chapter 6 was a foreshadow. It was a glimpse of what was to come in the New Testament. It was a foreshadow of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I'll show you how. Because both Daniel and Jesus were men without blame who were faithful to God. Men who were noted for their prayer life. Both Daniel and Jesus were betrayed and falsely accused because of the jealousy of those who wanted to prevent their exaltation. Both Daniel and Jesus were put into a den or a tomb. A stone was rolled over the opening, but in all its power and ferocity, not even death could touch them. And on a morning... The stone was rolled away. Both Daniel and Jesus came out victoriously. They glorified God. The pagans honored God, and their enemies were judged. Do you see the gospel? In Daniel chapter 6, it was a foreshadow of what was to come when Jesus was to be crucified, died, buried, and rise again to bring salvation to you and to me, to this valley, to our world. So we learn that prayer prepares you for persecution. It's a posture for petition. It produces peace. And lastly, number four, prayer positions you for prosperity. The very last verse reads, So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Daniel's prayer life positioned him for prosperity. Now, And when I say that, I'm not teaching or preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm simply meaning that God brought good and success for Daniel out of all the evil that was plotted to bring about his death. And God can do the same for you as you follow him and live in obedience to him. Romans 8.28 reminds us, For those who love God, all things... Work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. Now we say often here at Valley Church that we want Jesus to bring hope and healing to our valley. But that must start with us doing what scripture says in 2 Chronicles 7.14. This is God talking in 2nd Chronicles 7:14. It says, "If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land." Do you want to see God answer your prayers? Then let's do what 2 Chronicles 7:14 says. We need to start by humbling ourselves, maybe even on our knees before God. And we need to repent and turn from our sin. Turn from the habitual sin that you're struggling with. Turn from your wicked ways. It is then that God promises: I will. Hear your prayer. I will forgive your sin and heal your land. Heal this valley. Do you want Jesus to heal this valley? Yes, amen. Church, let's humble ourselves. Let's become men and women who are devoted to prayer. Prayer is what will push back the kingdom of darkness. Jesus said his house was to be called a house of prayer. Are the men and women of Valley Church known as people of prayer? Do you wanna push back the kingdom of darkness invading Jesus' church? Then pray. Do you wanna push back the kingdom of darkness that's trying to invade your marriage? Then pray. I know that it works from personal experience. Do you wanna push back the kingdom of darkness invading your family? Then pray together. Do you wanna push back the kingdom of darkness invading your workplace? Then start your day with prayer. Pray during your lunch break. Invite your coworkers to pray with you as we close our service today, we're gonna sing a song that we love here at church, Battle Belongs. And I think this would have been a song that Daniel, it totally describes Daniel. Because the chorus says, when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. I don't need to worry. I don't need to be anxious. I'll fight this battle on my knees. And during this song, I invite you, if you feel led, to come out into the aisles, to come up to the front, and physically do what the words to this song says. Get on your knees, worship the Lord. Remember who you're here to worship. It's not about drawing attention to yourself or about anybody else in this room. You're here to worship Jesus Christ. Christ alone kneeling is an act of humility it is very appropriate right now we're going to come together as the church family and activate our secret weapon of prayer so I'm going to invite you all to stand with me and what I want us to do is something a little bit different. If you're on the edge of your pew or on the edge of your chairs, will you bridge the gap between the aisles? Link hands with your brothers and sisters, with church family. We're gonna come together in prayer. In church, I know there are times in life when we feel like we don't know what to pray for. I've been there myself. When you, when you say, God, I don't know what to say to you in this moment. Can I encourage you, when you don't know what to pray, pray the promises of God. Pray the scriptures back to God because his words are his will. And don't forget to activate the secret weapon of prayer that you have every day in your life. I'm going to invite Pastor Jonathan to pray over us as a church family. Yeah,
0: church, let's pray together. And let's uh, let's praise God for His work of just, uh, just giving us this ability to approach Him in spirit and in truth. So let's pray. Let's seek the Lord together. Let's activate our secret weapon. Father God, we come before You. Come before You knowing that You full control, knowing that you are the God of Daniel, and you are our God here in this valley. And so, God, I want to just pray the words of Scripture over our church. God, this church, this community that loves you so much, and not only this church, but all the churches here in our valley, God. God, I pray that you, as you say in Colossians, God, you would fill us with the knowledge of your will. God, that we might walk in a manner that is worthy of you, Lord. That we might be fully pleasing to you. That we might bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. God, that you would strengthen us with all power according to your glorious might. And that you would just fill us with patience and joy giving thanks to God the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. God, you have delivered us from the dominion of darkness and you have transferred us into the kingdom of your beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. God, we praise you, we worship you today. God, we know the battle belongs to you. God, we submit ourselves to you come before you now, just as we sing to close this service in song. We love you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you are impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.